So, you know, throughout my life, as I've said before, um, I always try to find a way to entertain myself and to find something funny. A lot of people don't understand that, but <laughs> it's the way I survived when I was a kid. And um, one of the things that's been a constant source of humor for us here in Dallas is um, you, you've got all these briefings that come. You know, you've got the White House briefing, and then you have a lot of times the governor of Texas, he gives a briefing, and then usually about 5 o'clock, the county judge will give a briefing. And they're all doing a great job. I don't mean to mock anything, I, I'm not, I'm not ridiculing, but there have been some things that were said that were just really hilarious. And the other day, <clears throat> we were watching the county judge at five o'clock and he was talking about how he had just met with, with religious leaders in the city and uh, Earlier that week, the governor of Texas said that churches were essential businesses and that they should be able to meet. Well, that set all kinds of consternation in through a lot of the larger cities because they'd already put these drawdown orders. And so the, the county judge had a call with uh, the governor. And so what he was going to do then on this briefing, this county judge, was to clarify what this meant for Dallas, Dallas County. So he's going on, and he said that, you know, I just want you all to know that we think about these things before we said it. It's just not a couple of guys at the Holiday Inn Express dreaming up these, <laughs> these regulations. And he said, I had this meeting with these pastors today, and some of them are even doing drive through services. He said, you could just go there and drop off an offering, and they'll toss you a communion packet. <laughs> <laughs> and he just kept going. And that is just so funny to me. I, I heard that and I just started laughing. I had, to, I had to hear it again and again because it was just so funny. So we don't have any drive-through um, meetings where you can drop off an offering. And we're not going to toss you a communion packet. <laughs> toss you a communion packet. <laughs> oh, it's just funny. And you say, oh, people are dying. Things are terrible. We feel badly about that. But, you know, I go back to the first Passover, and there were people dying all around the Jewish people. They were under the covering of the blood. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen the movie. You've seen the movie, and you, you hear that dude, you know, it's in there singing, Oh, the Lord is with me, strums, and then you hear somebody go, Ah, outside. And, um, you know, it, you, you, you recognize you're in a tumultuous situation, but guess what? We're in the world, but not of the world. I bless this nation. I bless what God is wanting to do in this nation. I recognize that there are some challenging things that are happening right now, but my responsibility is, is for the
the mission God has given me and what God has given our church, what God has given our Saints Network family to, to the degree that we have an impact there. And I'm sorry, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord and I'm going to believe in his covering. You know, this is Passover week. This is Palm Sunday. And, um, you know, Jesus rode in on a donkey um, and the people were waving palms and saying, Hosanna. The, the people of Israel were looking for a deliverer at that point. They remembered the first Passover. They remembered how um, they were delivered from the bondage of the Egyptians and they were being led into the land of promise, even though it was 40 years yet to come. So that was the mindset of these people, and Rome was on guard. Rome was not looking for insurrection. They undoubtedly doubled the guards then because of all of the celebrations. This Passover one was the one that they viewed as the greatest threat, which could probably mean the, bring the reason why he had to ride in on a, on a donkey. Because, um, you know, that's not a triumphant, you know, um, ruler coming in on a steed, you know, with swords of flailing. Anybody riding in on a donkey is not going to be considered a threat to the Roman Empire. And that is probably why that happened. Yes, it showed humility. Yes, it showed all those other things that have been preached about ad nauseum. But, um, you know, the point is, though, that Passover meant a measure of bringing people into a new walk in God. And, you know, throughout my walk in Christ, we've talked about the blood only, usually, from the standpoint of the forgiveness of sins. And when, you know, death comes or, you know, we're required to surrender life um, we want to know that the blood has preserved us from an eternity in hell or separated from God. That's terrific. Yes, we believe that. That's the beginning point of the blood of Jesus. However, when I see the blood, the noisome pestilence will pass over you. When I see the blood, the destroyer will pass over you. When I see the blood that speaks better things than that of Abel, we are going to be able to gain that new covenant and walk in the power of God. And so, yes, I, I don't like the fact that the, um, um, the challenges that our country is facing, and there have been people who've suffered, and there are people who are in pain, and, and we don't mock that. But we rejoice, even though we're in this world, uh, we rejoice that our conversation is in heaven and that God is protecting his people and that God is covering over his people. You know, it's been now two weeks since our seminar ended. And um, we're so grateful that God brought that seminar about in the midst of the burgeoning concerns of this pandemic. And there were a lot of people said, oh, you better not gather, you know, you're all going to be in the grave here in a couple of days. Well, it's been two weeks now, and the last I've heard, everybody's alive and kicking and nobody's sick. Everybody's well, so God's blood protected us, and you know what? It's still going to protect you. We have to believe that. And we need to rejoice because we are positioned in 
in response of what God has, has already said to us about this year. And this is the message for today. It's called the Report of the Lord. And we're going to talk uh, at a beginning point from something that Jesus um, was, um, something that referred to Jesus in John chapter 12. And um, we're going to read verses 37 through 41. Though they had done so many miracles before them, though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke in Isaiah 53, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and that I should heal Eomai them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Now, this is an interesting thing. Because the report of the Lord being revealed here in this passage, revealed as apocalypto, which has to do with that overarching measure of what God is doing in any particular season. And the arm, of course, we, we recognize is the connection between our partnership with God, which is represented by the hand, and our appointment and authority, which is represented by the shoulder. You know, you can look at scriptures and you can, you can analyze and interpret that that's what those mean. Maybe you haven't heard that before, but I would encourage you to look into the scripture and look at the shoulders and look, look at the, the hand and, and, and see that. So we want the arm of the Lord to be revealed, which is the fulfillment of what God has said and appointed us to do in conjunction with partnership with him. But that has to do with what God's doing in this particular season. So, you know, the Bible says in Daniel that the enemy would try to do several things to stop the saints in the day which we're living in. One of them is that he would try to disrupt the power or the yod or the hand of the saints. Your partnership with God is intact. You need to embrace this. And know that you're not alone. God is watching over your steps. You are walking in a divine pathway. And so we're not surrendering the hand. We're not. The other thing is that the enemy would try to change the times and the seasons. And what that means is that there are things that God has firmly declared that he wants to do for anybody who's been paying attention and listening. And um, we're, we're holding fast to what God has said. What has God said about this year of, uh, of wisdom? First of all, he said that this is a year of wisdom, that we would be taking his light into the darkness, that we are being transitioned and changed. He said that this most recent seminar in Dallas would be a point of transformation. Perhaps we would be transformed more than at any other time even more than when we first began. And that is happening. 
you are stretching yourself, the roots of your partnership as the vine, as, as the branches. You're stretching yourself into places that you would not be stretching yourself had this challenge not come against the world. So embrace that. Embrace that. And let God develop you. A couple of years ago, God said over and over again that he was wanting to establish a plethora of home groups. And, you know, we talked about it. We met with some folks. We prayed over existing home groups. And I believe that was a word that is really speaking to what he's developing now. I think that this season in itself is going to be a creative season. You know, here's something from history. War engenders creativity. Some of the greatest inventions ever made, medically, technologically, mechanically, uh, functionally, happened because of war. You know, uh, Einstein said that in the heart of every difficulty is the glimmer of creativity. And that's true. Necessity is the mother of invention. And, and so on. These things are true. And I believe that the church, particularly the saints, through this time are going to welcome the creativity of the Lord and we're going to turn what is intended for evil to the good. Yes, this is coming in one way, but there's a sevenfold blessing that God's giving. And we're praying in accordance with what God has said. We believe the report of the Lord. And, um, you know, I, I think there are going to be some strides forward medically. You know, there are going to be things that are going to be discovered about illness that medical science has never known and never seen. There are going to be ways that our country and the nations of the world are going to be protected in the seasons that are ahead from bad characters, evil actors who have been planning. Have you been paying attention over the, over the decades about um, weapons of mass destruction, biological weapons and those things? You think that that was just, even though they didn't find them in Iraq under George Bush's uh, rule, do you think that that wasn't happening? Of course it's happening. Of course it is. There are bad characters in this world. And if, if one of the benefits of this call to arms is for our country and the other civilized nations to be prepared and to position themselves so our economy doesn't just crash and go to pieces and that millions of people don't just get wiped out, if we can be a bit more prepared, that's great. It's also important for us to recognize who we can trust. You know, there's some nations that, that our government particular, and, and I know Europe, and I know Africa, and India, and South America have put their trust in economically that are just liars. They have hid truth. They have said things that have not been true, and that has cost the world. We've also recognized our vulnerabilities medicinally and supply-wise. And so 
those things in themselves from a governmental standpoint, I think, are going to be benefits. But there are going to be strides forward medically. And, you know, there's another thing. I believe that this is awakening a hunger and a desperation in the hearts of a lot of people who this point of solitude and the Spirit of the Lord visiting them is going to cause them to say, I need to be more aligned with God. I, this is a wake-up call for me. And I, I need to get serious with Him. And if people are serious with God, God will be serious with them. That's not going to have that effect on any, everybody. There are some people that are just fearful. You know, they, they're spending this time trying to figure out how they can steal masks and toilet paper. And, you know, it's just the way it is. And so you can't do anything about that. But I'm concerned about those that are hungry. And God's preparing their hearts. So, you know, there's a lot of other things that I know God is doing. And um, we need to believe him for that. But spiritually and in the heavens, we as saints need to remember what God has said. He has not abandoned that purpose. Everything that he's promised is going to be. So we need to trust the blood of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we're ridiculous. Almost said the S word. I know how that irritates some of you. Um, we, we don't need to be idiotic. We don't need to say, well, bless God, the blood's cover me. I'm just going to do what I want to do. How many times in Scripture did God give promises to kings and to people, and they, they instead of welcoming those promises, they decided to take matters into their own hands, and subsequently they were killed. That's, that's ridiculous. And that probably, I could give a bunch of illustrations of it from the Scripture, but I'm just referencing it. You should know these stories yourself. So trust the blood of Jesus. Be good citizens, but mostly be good citizens of faith, of the holy nation, of the saints' nation, and seek after God. Be what he has said you're to be. And you know what? Part of, um, part of what we need to do in believing the report of the Lord is be anchored in what he said, but with that, don't believe every other report. Every day there's some new harangue coming from the media that is engendering fear. And we don't, we don't need to be part of that. We, we just don't. We need to be like Elijah was in a good way. When God said, I want you to go to the door in this point of transition, and, you know, you've been... We talked about this on Wednesday night. You've been being led by me. You were at the brook. It dried up. The angels took care of you. Then God told you to go, and a widow woman would take care of you, and God took care of you. Now you're up here on the mountain. But at that point, Elijah had become worn down. He was giving place to fear. And what was engendering his fear? A word from the palace. Jezebel, threatening. You know, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. Well, how many words have you been hearing on all the talking heads? By this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. You know, I know people are suffering. I'm not diminishing. I'm not one of those naysayers that say it's all a bunch of hoo-ha. You know, but, but I am saying we need to believe the word of the Lord, but then don't 
do ridiculous things. Do what you need to do, but mostly do what God says. Elijah had to wrap his mantle around his head so that he could remember the, the still small voice and what God had commissioned him to do. And, but he was so far believing what the mindset of the nation was, what the words of Jezebel was, what the demonic realm was, that he was ready to give up. Don't give up. Elijah basically abandoned something that God wanted from him. Moses was hearing the voice of the people, and he basically reacted in a way he shouldn't have. Saul was listening to his own fears and the voices of the enemy around him, and he abandoned what God wanted between him and David and, and Jonathan. And, and the list goes on. We must be faithful to what God says. That's our report. And keep doing what you're supposed to do. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. Now, that's the first way that we believe the report of the Lord, is to remember what God has said and to be open to what God is going to continue to say. Well, we want to submit every thought to the obedience of that. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 7. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity, hear that, every thought to the obedience of of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trust himself, trust to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again. That is that as he is of Christ, even so are we Christ. Are you looking at the things after the outward appearance? There's a difference between seeing something and letting it sink down into your ears and into your heart. So if, if something comes from fear or from the general mindset of the people or through those whose job it is to keep their ratings high, if something comes that comes against what God has promised you. What are you supposed to do about that? Well, first of all, you remember what God has promised. You believe the report of the Lord. And secondly, you take captive those things that challenge what God has told you. And you submit them to the obedience of what God has anointed you as sons. We are Christ-like. We are Christian. That's what Christian means. It's Christ-like. And remember the church at Antioch was the place where, first, where people were first called Christians. And what was going on at Antioch? Those people were praying in supplication. The prophets and the teachers were together, which is a miracle. And they were contemplating what God was saying apostolically. In Acts 13, they sent forth Barnabas and Paul. So we need to be Christ-like. We need to know what God has said, 
We need to be students of the Word. We need to recall and remember what God is in a pneumatikos way taught us. And we need to be pre prophetically sensitive to what God is saying in this time. That forms the, the point of God speaking to you in this day. And if anything comes, if any word or any outward appearance comes that challenges what God has said, you submit that in obedience to Christ. You take it captive. You don't just let it loiter around. And if somebody else brings one of those things into your house on the phone or on FaceTime or whatever, oh, you better be careful. You're going to kill old Aunt Nellie if, if you go and do this. All, all that stuff's going. People are shriveling in fear. You know, which side of the door are you in? Are you in the place where the covering of the blood is? Are you out in the street where you don't belong? Where are you? Are you listening to what God's saying? Are you listening to the shrieks of people outside? Why is a pneumatikos individual listening to somebody who prays about one minute a week? Why is that? Did you ask yourself that? I don't care what relationship you have with them. If they're not speaking what Christ has said, take that captive. Be kind-hearted, love them, don't dress them down. But you are responsible for what you let come into your ears and sink down into your heart. Wise up. Be the one that God has called you to be and trust the Lord. If you don't trust God, the enemy's going to have his way with you. I can guarantee you that. Doesn't matter how many communion packets are tossed at you. You are going to fall if you don't stand where God has called you to stand. Amen? So wake up. Be what God has called you to be. Cherish the moment he's given you. You know, you think about this. Kelly was just saying, and I know there are people suffering. See, if you don't, if you don't throw that out there, but again, I'm responsible for the people that are inside the house in the, in, under the blood. And I'm blessing our nation, I'm blessing our president, I'm blessing, I'm believing that this scourge is going to be lifted off of our nation and the nations of the world. I bless that. But my responsibility is for what God has given me responsibility for. So I'm telling you, if God has given you the opportunity to seek him in your house, do it. And don't shrivel in fear. Spend more time with God than you do listening to all the the crazy stuff that's being spilled out all over the place. Some of you know more how to make a mask out of a bandana than you do where to find a scripture. And that should not be. You know, I, I was looking this morning when I was pulling up uh, my internet, my email to send the, um, the outline to Scott and, and Sylvie, who labors so strongly uh, in putting the PowerPoint together. And there were three articles, how to make, how to make a, a bandana mask. Even Tom and Colin Hanks had one up there. They were all right there. And I thought, hmm, the Surgeon General was showing you how to do it. You know, the Steelers coach's wife was making them. And you know, wow, you could spend hours learning how to make one of those. But is that what you're spending your time on? You know, some of you more industrious people could be making some with, um, you know, cartoon characters. You could sell those. But the point, though, is, is that there's all kinds of stuff going on around us. We need to remember who God's called us to be because this thing is going to pass, and we need to be strengthened and ready 
for what God has said he's going to do this year. This is a moment of strengthening for us. Use it that way. You're not going under. You're going over. And so be that in God. And uh, I, I, it's, it's all about whether you're in fear. We're not in fear. We're in agape. And we need to, we need to keep, let that mind be in us. We should have the mind of Christ-like. And that is just what we should do. And again... I am not going off the rails and saying, oh, this is just a big bunch of hooey, you know, they're just doing this. I'm not a conspiratist. I'm not saying that, even though I do recognize that there's a lot of conspiracy out there, but I'm not chasing that down either, because that can be a waste of time. There's always a new conspiracy. But what I'm telling you is, what is not a conspiracy is what God has said, what he has promised, what he's told you to be. So be that and believe that we're going to emerge from this um, running. You know, I was thinking the other day, if God hadn't changed us and this church had not changed and we were still doing the general church stuff, what would our mindset be? You know, I don't even want to think about that because we wouldn't have a clue. We'd be more worried about lots of things that are temporal. But God has positioned this people to be sons and to be what we should be in God. So let's be that. And I'm grateful for that. So I think it's interesting, too, that we had our seminar. God prepared us with a long season of fasting, overcoming a lot of physical difficulties. And, you know, I believe that that strengthens us too. I think the enemy over the past, over the last months of the last year, the first couple of months of this year, the enemy kept trying to tell me that, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be physically able to do what we're, we're called to do. So the threat of physical challenge is nothing to me. I believe in the Lord. And I'm believing that for you. But we had our seminar and we were able to, to accomplish that. And our congregation here in Dallas established their homes as altars. And that was a blessing as well. And uh, then we roll right into this fourth month of the fast of feasting. And that was, our, that was our agenda for First Saturday Prayer, which was yesterday. And I felt that we needed to see the hand of the Lord in this. What are you doing with this fast of feasting in regard to all the stuff that's being said out there right now? Maybe bitterness is taking the form of fear. Maybe you're angry with God. You know, people, you know, Challenges reveal what people really think about God. I've noticed that as a pastor. And if, if your first response when something goes south is to say, I just don't understand why God's doing this. How could he be a God of love and do this kind of stuff? If that's your first response, you need to get before the Lord. Because are you serving him just so he can take care of you? Or are you really serving him? What is service mean? Does it mean he's serving you or you're serving him? 
What's it mean for you? And if every little thing that disrupts you, whether it's big or small, your first response is to shake your fist at God and say, I don't understand why you can do this. You need to get before the Lord. And I know that this Zechariah 8 thing is something that God has had us doing for quite a while. And we're going to read Zechariah 8, verse 16, and then we're going to read the rest of it because it has to do with the report of the Lord. These are the things that you shall do in the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months. And we've taught on this a lot. And we talked about in the Babylonian captivity how that all of those months were significant months in the demise of the nation of Israel that led them into captivity. And the people used those months as mournful times. It was just a mourn fest. It was something that they just questioned God and woe is me. And God said, enough of that. You know, when Zechariah was uh, ministering in the, the, in the beginning of the time for the, um, for the people to come back, after the seven years would have eclipsed, and uh, you were working with uh, Joshua and Zerubbabel, and um, Zechariah was talking these things, and the one thing God said they, these people had to do before they went into the new was to get rid of bitterness, and to get rid of negativity, and to get rid of all the mourning that people are uh, were doing. And so this fast of the fourth, fifth, 7th and 10th was in alignment with the Lord of hosts, the armies of the Lord. Because angels don't think that way. You know the way, angel, the way angels think? What God says, it's going to be. We hear what God says and we think, why? Or I don't see how that's going to happen. The report of the Lord just, we view things in, so conveniently from the outward appearance. And God said, you've got to stop that. I'm not taking you back just so you can do the same nonsense that got you transported to Babylon for 70 years. So Zechariah says, this is what you need to do. Speak every man the truth to his neighbor. This is emet, which is the fulfillment of the Ammon, which is right hand. And the right hand represents what God has said prophetically. So every person, especially these people that were in Babylonian captivity, need to speak to their neighbor, what did God say and what is he going to do? What does he say about these 70 years? We need to believe that. And beyond that, we need to believe what he said to us about our nation in general. That's the first thing these people needed to speak to one another, to remind them what God had said. Execute judgment and truth. There's an emet again. And peace. What are those things? Judgment, mishpat, that's the part of the spirit of judgment and burning, what does God say? What is incontrovertible? What is indelible? What did God say? That's your stand. Secondly, what has God promised that you know is he said is going to be? You need to embrace that through the sila. And thirdly, you need to speak peace, which means whatever God said, we're going to walk through this and we're going to know it. Those three things is what we should say in our gates. The gates represent our prosperity. The gates represent our defense. The gates represent what we are known as, as a people. Doors represent commune. Doors represent personal uh, measures of provision. But the gates speak about how you're going to break through and how you're going to defend the city 
or the nation. So you speak those three, three things. On the one hand, you're reminding your neighbor, this is who you are. This is what God has said. And on the second hand, in the gates, you're saying what God has said is, is, is established. And we're going to walk according to his promise. And whatever he said, we're going to know it and we're going to enjoy it. That's what is said here. Let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor. And love no false oaths, for these are things that I hate, says Yahweh, or the plan of God. What's that mean? What is this business about evil in your hearts against his neighbor? Well, you know, when challenging times come, and we are encountering some of them, you see how some people just try to do in their neighbor. I, uh, I got a warning from two banks that we do business with about those that are trying to... to um, take advantage of, of, all the, of all the online purchases that you're making now. And, you know, whenever, whenever challenges come, you're going to find those that are trying to do in their neighbor. That's just the way it is. You could go in every scenario and see that. I, again, right under how to make a mask, I saw that some guy in Louisiana who was in the medical community, stole about 1,500 masks and some other things, and he's going to sell them on the black market. They caught that guy. So we need to be careful that in this thing, God's saying, look, don't let that evil, don't let evil imaginations corrupt how you're going to deal with the people around you. Don't do it. And secondly, love no false oath. There are a lot of false oaths out there. How many, you know, I hate to say this because people get angry, but you heard about fake news. There's a lot of that right now. I mean, you, you can't trust a lot of the things that are being said right now. So don't fall in love with those, you know? Some people just can't wait for the next horrible pronouncement to come rolling down the pike, and instead of interceding and standing in the gap there on the horn calling, oh, did you hear about this? You know, we, we deal with that some in, in people that we know. And there are a lot of people that call individuals and get them all riled up, usually with things that are never going to happen. So don't become somebody that has a, a hunger for false oaths. Uh, these are things God hates. God hates both of those things. This is what he says. Yahweh, the plan of God, hates both of those things. So guard over who you are. Don't love the, the various falsehoods that are out there. And don't let there be any kind of, of wicked thing going on in your conceptions toward your neighbor. You're going to beat out the other guy. You know, I think it's just so funny that on one of the daily briefings, uh, our county judge was railing against people who were hoarding toilet paper. And they made a rule that you couldn't buy more than 12 rolls at a time. And, um, you know, who thinks that way? What are you going to do with all that toilet paper? You know? You, you couldn't use all that toilet paper if you tried. Unless you're going on paper in people's houses, which you're not supposed to do from shelter in place. You know, I don't know. But people think wacky things. Well, I'm going to get over there, you know. Scott Maston may want that toilet paper. I'm going to get it before him. 
So we're going to mess Scott up. I don't know what he's going to do, but I've got his toilet paper. You know, don't you see that happening right now in our nation, in our city? Of course we do. And it's just ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. You know, there, the other day I went, to, I went to Whole Foods. I was filling up Katie's water bottles. And I needed to get some spinach. Well, at this time, you know, the neighborhood constabularies had all masks on, descended, and took just about all the spinach, all the broccoli. It, all of it was gone. And there was one bag of spinach left. And I wanted that bag. And there was this old lady. You know, and it, you know, at my age, you know, I think I have a right to call people old. I mean, if they're older than me, they're an old lady. I'm an old guy, so I'm not going to, oh, you're triggering old people. I am an old people, so I can say it. You know, I can use the O word. So um, this lady, we're standing there. It was like a face-off in the Wild West days of Dallas. And she's eyeing that bag of spinach, and I'm looking at it. And I said, you want that spinach? She said, well, that's what I came for. And I said, well, ma'am, you can have that. You just enjoy that. Well, thank you. Because she knew good and well that I was bigger than her and I could have stole that spinach. I could have taken that marble rye and ran up the street, you know. So I gave her that spinach. And um, then I went to the store the other day and I bought a big thing of spinach. There was plenty of spinach and I left it at the store. I don't know how that happened. So anyway, thank you for tuning in to Spinach Talk. So anyway, don't imagine evil in your heart against your neighbor and love no false oath. We're still rolling here. And the word of the Lord of hosts came unto me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah joy, saison, and gladness, simha, and cheerful feasts. What are those three? Saison is the season you're in. You, 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 should have, you should have an appreciation of the fact that what's here, this too, will pass. You know, that's a problem with people. They, 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 they're so narrow-minded and their focus is so blocked that they can't see the joy set before them. This will pass. And you, you, need, to, you need to recognize that. You know, the enemies tries to change the seasons, we, we must recognize that the seasons belong to the Lord. And even though we may not be doing the things we want to do, we're still in the season of the Lord. So you need to recognize that season. And you should be cheerful. No, you should have gladness. Simha, that's more of a personal rejoicing. You know, learn how to laugh. I never understood people that didn't know how to laugh. I mean, I've been around people, and I think when they were passing out humor, they were back over in the other place learning how to be persnickety. And um, I do not understand this persnickety. <laughs> but, you know, you, even if you're not a, a knee-slapper jokester, engender joy in your heart. The Lord is with you. He's going to take care of you. So the season is what God ordained it to be. It will pass. Be happy in it and know that Tob is going to happen. What God has ordained, that's the eternal good purpose of God. That's going to happen. And therefore, here we are again. Love 
emet, and shalom. Love that what God says is going to be is going to be, and you're going to accomplish everything he promised. That's not me repeating it. That's the scripture saying it all over again right there. I mean, it was in verse it was in verse 16, and now here it is again in verse 19. Thus says the Lord of hosts. And here's really something we need to be looking forward to in, in, this, in this year. It shall come yet to pass, it shall yet come to pass, that there shall come people, the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us speedily... Let us go speedily to pray before Yahweh and to seek the Yahweh of hosts. I will go also. Many people and strong nations shall come to seek Yahweh of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the kanap, of him that is a Jew, and that word means mature. You can look it up, saying, we will go with you where we have heard that Elohim is with you. You know, God's skirt, the kanaf, the hem of our garment, identifies who we are. The languages of these nations, people are coming. They're coming to partner with the plan of God that's been given to us as saints. And, and I believe that this kanaf, means a lot of things. We've taught on this before. It's the hem of the garment. It's the identity. It speaks about, you know, when God's train filled the temple. That's that word. God is touching earth on behalf of those who have embraced. The woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She went there for that purpose, and dunamis flowed through him because she touched that. This is important. Your identity is important. It is the mantle God has given you. And we look into Malachi 4, which we talked about on Wednesday night. We did not talk about this verse, but it's there. It's right ahead of what we talked about. Malachi 4, verse 2. You that fear my name shall the sun, S-U-N, of righteous vision arise with healing, marpe, in his wings. And you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts. God's light is shining. He is awakening the vision of people because that's what righteousness is. You say, where do you get that? Well, that's the root of righteousness. When God first spoke of righteousness to Abram, it was because Abram looked and believed God. It said, Abram believed God, and God counted it unto him as righteousness. God is a God of vision, and it's a God of vision to those who will believe the vision of the Lord. It's a way that he brings his report. Vision is one of the birthday gifts that was given to the church on the day of Pentecost, and we need to have that. But when this arises on the kanaf, the place where the, wing, where the, where the, the commitment of God, the command of God touches the ground and touches people, there will be marpe. There will be healing. There will be restoration, which is coming next, because Rapa speaks of restoration, and Marpe speaks of that specific touch that's like a cure. And in many ways, it's 
it's, it's a great promise for us in this moment because as we are experiencing this curse that's touched the world, um, God has shut us in to Him. And the Son of Righteousness is rising. And we are believing that in the wings, that same word, kanaf, that people are going to want to embrace, there is a measure of victory, there is a measure of healing. So the last verse that we want to look at is a familiar one. 2 Chronicles 7, verses 12 through 14. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I've heard your prayer. Remember, this is about grace. And have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal Rapa, their land. What did God say about this year? Do you remember? We had appointments that God intends to honor to go to our country into the Northeast and to believe that God is going to release something for our nation and for Canada and for Mexico, but it's a lot closer to Canada. We believe that God is restoring the land. We believe that God is touching the deposits of His glory, the hidden gates, the, the, the places where the cross, the estemi of the cross has paid the price for that. And we're praying, we're believing that God is healing, returning the land to what he has ordained it to be. I believe that's one of the reasons the enemy's fighting so hard to try to block that. We also, among the other appointments that we already have, bought tickets for in many cases, go into the heart of the Amazon jungle, partnering with saints and churches there to believe God to restore the land. That's set for July. This West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania gathering is set for June. Whether we go there in the natural or not, we're believing God during those times for this to happen. God said it, and he's going to do what he's, what he's going to do. See, that's one, of the, that's one of the things about walking with God. It's a walk of faith. God says what he's going to do, and then we figure out how he's going to do it. And if it doesn't happen in the way we think it's going to happen, then we think, oh, that thing's gone to pot. There's very few things that God has said he's going to do that actually, when he did them, turned out the way I thought they were going to be. Very few things. And um, so I know that this is what God said. We're humbling ourselves. We are praying in grace. We're partnering in supplication. We're hearing what God said. And we're believing that God is restoring the land. God wants to restore this country. Is he going to make everybody get saved? No, because they're not going to be. You know, Jesus could be 
healing a guy with a crippled hand on one side of the synagogue, and just a few feet over, there are people trying to kill him. And, you know, what do you do? What do you do? You just keep following the Lord. But I believe there's a visitation of the Spirit coming upon this nation, and we're going to emerge from this plague in a, in a, in a wonderful way. But where sin sin's abounding, but grace is much more going to abound, we just need to believe for that. And as those people come, we need to believe that these folks are going to take hold of the hem of what God has called you and I to be, and they're going to say, let us go with you. We can see that God is with you. Through this time when everybody else was scared, you were rejoicing. We don't understand that. We don't know how that is. But we were impressed by that, and we want what you have. If you just get in line with them and say, oh, did you hear what they said? It's terrible. They're hiding things. This is a conspiracy. We're all going to die. If you buy into that nonsense, what, what do you do if somebody says that? Well, you just hear them, but just, you don't have to preach at them, but just say, well, you know, I'm trusting God. They won't know how to handle that, but you've got to believe that because it's true. So, some are going to come, and uh, the sun of righteousness is arising. There are going to be tremendous healings that happen. But, but for right now, I kind of love what Kenneth Hagin said, that the greatest, some of the greatest healings are because God kept you well. So I continue to declare on this Passover which speaks about the blood being struck on the doorpost and the lintels. I'm believing that we're under the covering of the blood. Do what you're supposed to do when you're in that covering. And trust the Lord. So, we believe the report of the Lord. What God has said in partnership and what He's equipped and anointed you to do. If we believe that God is in this, his arm will be revealed. And if there are things that come that challenge that, submit it to the obedience of Christ and bring it into captivity. And how do you revenge it? Because that's what it says. And you, you, you bring those things to fulfill the, obe the obedience and bring it into a measure of revenge, all disobedience. Um, believe that the blessing of the Lord is going to overcome that challenge. If the enemy's saying something, it's a good chance that he's trying to block you from something. If the enemy's coming in one way, he knows that God has promised a sevenfold blessing. So if he's coming, take, take captivity, those things that he's saying, and believe that what God has said is going to be. Revenge that. Know that people are going to be coming. Speak the things in this month. Fast those negative reports. Don't eat them. Don't ingest them. I know it's easy. Peer pressure is difficult to overcome. But you can if you want to. And I don't care who it is that's telling you. Listen, I don't care who it is that's telling you. you don't buy into negativity. And you, I'm, I'm, I'm done now, really. But you need to remember, 
And I don't mean this from a prideful standpoint. You need to remember who the pneumaticos individual is. Who are you? Who, who are you in the Lord? Is that person that's trying to get you riled up closer to God than you? Who, God can only judge that. But you trust what God has said you. Trust the blood of Jesus. And he's going to watch over you. So I speak the blessing of the Lord in your life in this fourth month and in the fifth month. You know, honestly, I, I thought we were going to declare this thing into an end. But obviously God is allowing it to go on for a little bit longer and enjoy the check the government's sending you. Don't spend it all on jelly beans and knickknacks. Um, we, uh, we're going to try as uh, the churches and the saints network to take advantage of these small business grants that are being given. Pray that God will give favor to all of our people. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. Don't give place to negative things. Let God do in you what he needs to do in you. Enjoy his presence. It's a wonderful thing. But don't, don't go off with the world. Don't, don't let them lead you into those paths of dour depression. And uh, I want to, before we conclude here, I want to just tell you a couple things. So sermon's over. This is just for the Saints Network. Um,